Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550. Takes the snap, looking left, now back to the right, into the end zone to Diggs for the touchdown! It's a 17-yard touchdown reception! Can you dig it? Allen back to pass, blitz coming, fires to the end zone, wide open to Gabe Davis, the touchdown maker! Fakes the handoff to Murray, Allen running out, pump fakes and he's going to waltz into the end zone! All right, that was, of course, Chris Brown on the Buffalo Bills radio network on the call. Monday Night Football. Doesn't that, that music just kind of get you charged up? Doesn't that music just get into your into your stream? And you're like, yes, I can't wait. Let's do it. It does for me. I mean, it takes me back to when I was a kid. Uh, we've talked about this before. Um, you know, even you know, growing up pre-teenager, right? 10, 11, 12 years old, formative years. And then into the teen years, into college. Monday Night Football. Bills actually played the Broncos in a pretty interesting Monday Night Football game. We talked about this last week uh, in 1994. And I went back today, and this morning, I was re-watching that open. So Josh, Josh Schmidt, who's producing, says, hey, you know, what do you want to do for the open? You want some Monday Night Football music? I said, yeah. So just so you know, Josh, I was going to ask you to pull highlights from that 94 game. It's on YouTube. I was like, should do that. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to make you go to work like that. That's a lot of work to do. We didn't coordinate that. I actually saw but the Hank Williams was, open from that game this morning. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't yes. even realize like, that's what that was. You know, I just I saw it and I'm like, oh, maybe yep. it's just a Monday Night Football from that year. And then I realized it's Bill's Broncos. Like, that's crazy. It was 1994. And, you know, what I would tell you is you hope that it's not a parallel to 94 for the Bills. 94 was a year where it was, la- it was the, the year after they'd gone to four Super Bowls. And the Bills are still good, but everybody was like, ah, their time's come. You know, they've, their window's closing. Kind of a lot like this year and, you know, the talking points surrounding the team. So they get to week number four. They're two and one on the year. They play the Broncos on Monday Night Football and they're wearing those red standing. Okay. So the red helmets with the white standing Buffalo, right? So, and the Broncos are wearing like these weird orange helmets. It was a total throwback game. I did not care for the helmets the Bills wore, but anyway. So if you notice, I don't know if you did, Josh. I know you got the you saw the Hank Williams open. Right before that, if you go and search for that game, right before that, it's Frank Gifford introducing the game, and he's talking about Jim Kelly knows this, and he has a quote, and you know Thurman Thomas, and then all of a sudden it says Bills Broncos on the 25th year of Monday Night Football, and the helmets clash. Right? I'm thinking, holy cow, 25 years. It's been longer since then than that game was when Monday Night Football had started. So now it's been almost 30 years since then, another 29. It's 54 years since since then. 
that 90, uh, the, um, for Monday Night Football, it's been 29 years since that, that 94 game, which is, it's wild. And here they are. And anyway, so let me go back to the 1994 season. And the reason I say you hope it's not a parallel to that for Bills fans. They beat the Broncos that night, 27-20. All right, Bills 3-1. and one. They're looking good. And then all of a sudden, they just start rotating wins, losses. Lose, win, lose, win, lose. And they lose a couple in a row. And actually, they went up missing the playoffs. The Bills missed the playoffs that year. It was the year after they had the, the four Super Bowl run. They missed the playoffs. They go 7-9. and nine. They lose their last three games. They were sitting at 7-6, and six, had a chance. They lose their last three games. They go 7-9. and nine. And what I remember about that year was... They play the Patriots late in the year. So I'm looking at the schedule now. That was week 16. And Bill Parcells, after the game, kind of comes out. The Bills lose 41-17. to And Bill Parcells comes out after the game. He's like, I just have so much respect for the Bills organization. They've had a great run here. And it kind of was like Parcells telling everybody, like, we all know it's over. Which is interesting. They actually, the next year, they went back to the playoffs and they crushed Miami, right? So they had a bounce back year. But I remember that year where the talking points surrounding the team going into the year were, oh, windows closing. This team's getting older. I don't know if they can keep it up. And then they looked pretty good. And then all of a sudden it just went south on them. They're out. They lose. And then Parcells basically telling the world, like, he's giving lots of reverence to the Bills and to Ralph Wilson and talking about Wilson, how much he respects him and the Bills organization and Marv Levy and everything. But he also, his tone was basically, yeah, it's over. We all know it. And they've had a great run. And it was true, right? And then the Bills bounce back. 95, they go to the playoffs. 96, they go to the playoffs. Kelly retires. We know what happened. 99, I mean, they had some opportunities. And then we have the playoff drought. You hope it's not the same kind of repeat where we're we're in this space. Now, the difference between now and then, to give you more optimism, if I can, on this Monday, that was also the end of the road for, you know, Jim Kelly and... Not necessarily for Thurman. He had a few years left, but they, they, those guys have been around a while. Um, Josh Allen's just in his prime now. He's entering his prime. Totally different situation there. And, you know, you, you feel you feel kind of the same angst, I think, you did back in 94, if you're going to draw that parallel to this Monday night game, and that was week number four, and you know, here we are in week number 10. You feel the same kind of angst, but, you know, there's still a lot of football left to play, and I think we know that this team can be better. I think back then it was like, I think we were all kind of holding on like, oh, this is it, this is it. I think now it's like, hey, what's going on? This shouldn't be it. Like, you should be better than what you have been. You shouldn't have a 5-4 and four record. The offense shouldn't be as inconsistent as it is. And that's kind of where we are today, right? We're waiting for this team to jump back into what they were and what they can be and what they should be. And we haven't seen it fully yet. We've seen it for a game here, a game there. We saw it two weeks ago against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we haven't completely seen it yet. And I think that's what people are waiting on tonight against the Denver Broncos. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Extra Point Show. It's Sal Capaccio. And it's a it's a Monday. So you know what we do on Mondays. Still going to take your calls. It's a bit of a different Monday, though. It's not a reaction Monday. So it's just not going to be all phone calls today. We'll have some guests. I'll get to that in a second. But still welcoming your calls. 803-0550. What's your level of panic right now? I know that after the game, if the Bills lose, it will be on full, full tilt, full throttle panic. We all get that. But right now, you're kind of confident they're going to know what they're going to settle in. They're going to do this. They'll, they'll take care of business tonight and probably against the Jets next week. They're going to be seven and four. Or are you like, Oh my gosh, like I am really nervous. Like this could go south in a hurry and it could start with tonight. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. I also want to dive into yesterday and games yesterday and results yesterday. I had an interesting debate and discussion with Jeremy and Joe this morning. And I've also been reflecting on the way I've looked at it. And I, 
I still I don't want to change my position, but I think I understand why now I have my position, which is different than them. And I'll get to that in a second. So we'll do all that today on a Buffalo football Monday on the Extra Point Show presented by Catholic Health, Catholic Health, the right way to care by Northwest Bank for what's next. Get started at Northwest.com by Speed Global around the corner or around the world. Speed delivers. We'll still have all of our Monday normal elements and segments like we do our electric play of the game. It'll come from yesterday. Extra point from the sidelines, our injury update going into tonight, and our red zone stats looking ahead to tonight's game between the Bills and the Broncos. And as always on a Monday, we are streaming live on the WGR Facebook page. Now, a little bit different today. If you go to the WGR Facebook page, you should do this. I'm actually in Studio Capaccio today. I am not in Amherst. I'm in Studio Capaccio. And you can see the background's a little bit different. But if you watch, it's always game day in Buffalo with Matt Bove and me. This is exactly what you see. This is where I do Studio Capaccio, and we do the podcast, and where I'm coming at you today. Just a little bit easier with the schedule going on today, what I got to do for me to be here in this setting, but it still works out the same for you on the Facebook page. So check it out, WGR550 on Facebook. You can go to Facebook.com slash WGR550, live on Facebook. Hello. You can comment. I can't see your comments. I can, I guess, but I'm not going to be replying to them, so you can kind of talk amongst each other. This is Studio Capaccio. I'm here. Josh doing a great job back at the studio. So we're doing all of our normal Monday stuff today. And speaking of Matt Bove, who I do the Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast with, which is also on video, he's going to be joining me at 11.05. The game will be on Channel 7 tonight, WKBW. Matt is the sports director at Channel 7. We'll talk about that. We'll look ahead to tonight's game. He'll preview it with me. We'll talk about what they have going on on that side of things on TV leading into the game as well. So Matt joins me at 11.05. At 10.30, it's Brandon Cristal. Brandon, uh, radio in Denver, always always a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, got to know him a few years ago at the owners' meetings, and him and I have uh, kind of maintained uh, contact and relationship whenever the Bills and Broncos or even the Avalanche, and we've had things. I think we had him on even... Josh, what's the uh, Colorado team in lacrosse? The Mammoth, right? The, the yes. Mammoth? Yep. I think we had Brandon on when the Bandits were playing the Mammoth to talk about football and to talk about the Mammoth and the Bandits, which was really cool. So, Brandon, because he, he's into lacrosse too. So, anyway, it's a long way of saying Brandon's going to join me at 1030. We're going to preview everything from the Broncos side of things. Speaking of the Broncos, here's an interesting tidbit. The Broncos came into Buffalo Saturday night. So normally when a team travels to a game, and I know it can change and we can talk about that. When a team travels to a game, they travel the night, the day before the game. Like I know traveling with the Bills for the last 10 years, and I know the way most teams do it. Generally you travel in and you arrive in the city you're playing the day before the game at about dinner time, four o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock, somewhere in there, four o'clock, let's say. And then the next day you get up, you get on the bus, you go to the game, it's a 1 o'clock game, or even if it's a night game, you wait all day, you have a walkthrough, you do that. Then as soon as the game is over, no matter where you are, no matter where you're playing, no matter what time it is, it could be a 1 o'clock game, a 4 o'clock game, an 8.15, 8.20 game, whatever. As soon as the game is over, you do all the interviews, you pack up, you get on your buses, the bus go to the airport, you get on the plane, you go back home. The Broncos did a little bit different this time. Now, it's not completely foreign to say a team from the West Coast is coming east on a day early. That's happened. I haven't heard about it too much when they have night games, though. Generally, you do it when you have an afternoon game to kind of get acclimated a little bit so you're not completely stiff when you wake up in the morning and, you know, you're getting it on Saturday at 4 or 5 for a 1 o'clock Sunday game. 
Sometimes you come in on Friday for those. So it's not completely foreign for the Broncos in this situation to come to Buffalo on a Saturday before a Monday game. But it is a night game. So they've been here really for, they'll be here for about 48 hours before they before it kicks off. Because the other interesting part of that is they didn't get here until about 10 o'clock on Saturday night. They got here about 10 o'clock on Saturday night. This isn't, by the way, just throw your hands up and say, what do we do? This is Sean Payton who's very deep into the sports science and the sleep science and how he plans out. But what I find even more interesting, which really has no impact on the game, I guess, but it is super interesting. The Broncos are not leaving right after the game. They're going back to their hotel here in Western New York, and then they're staying the night and flying back to Denver on Tuesday. So I'm guessing that's Sean Payton's way for next week to be ready. Now, remember, they did have a bye week this week, so it made it easier for them to do this. But in the other part about, about it is, you know, Payton, he's into all this. You know what else he did? Kind of pulling a uh, out of the Sean McDermott playbook, like getting ready for everything. They actually painted the Bills logo on their practice field back in Denver this week. Like to get them used to seeing that and what the environment's going to be. You can't replicate the entire environment. Remember when Sean McDermott had Renegade playing at practice before the Bills played the Steelers back in 2019? And like that was when you had the, uh, this thing is 2019, I think it was, right? And you had uh, Matt Barkley waving the t- waving the jacket on the side, and everybody was jacked up for it because they were so ready for it. Peyton's kind of similar, where he just kind of tries to plan for everything. So the Broncos flew in Saturday night. They've been getting acclimated. They've been here for, by the time the game kicks off, a little less than 48 hours. And then right after the game, they're going to go back to the hotel, stay overnight, fly back to Denver on Tuesday, get ready for their game next week. I just find that interesting. I don't know if it has any impact in the game. We've talked a lot about travel when it comes to London, it comes to Germany, all these ways that teams go about it. You know, I the the Chiefs went to Germany at the same same kind of way the Bills went to London, and they beat the Dolphins. The Dolphins were there a lot earlier than the Chiefs. Chiefs were there on Monday, stayed all week essentially. The Chiefs went on Thursday night into Friday. They won. I'm not sure exactly. I don't remember what the Colts or Patriots did, but I I don't know. I I think that it just it can matter. It doesn't have to matter though. What matters is how you play that day. And there could be a lot of reasons why you play a certain way, not a certain way. Anyway, a little tidbit on the Broncos, how they're treating this week. It's a big game for them. You hear the quotes coming out. You see the quotes. They are very, very healthy. They are very much of belief that they're still in this thing at three and five. And they're coming to Buffalo ready to show that what they've done the last few weeks is no fluke. The Bills have to be ready too. And the messaging coming out of one Bills drive is... A sense of urgency. We all hear that. We all see that. We all feel that. That's what they need. Tonight, big, big game for the Buffalo Bills. If they drop another game to go to 5-5, five and five, it's going to be very, very difficult to make the playoffs. That's the reality. Very difficult. If they can get to 6-4, and four, they're back into a playoff spot. They're still not 50% necessarily to make the playoffs, but it's looking better. And then they have the Jets next week who you think, okay, at home against that offense, you can get to 7-4. and four. These next six days are incredibly critical for the Buffalo Bills in 2023. 803-0550, 888-552-550. You only need the first number. I've been doing that again. If you want to jump on board here on the Extra Point Show. Once again, Brandon Cristal joins me in about 10-15 minutes. Matt Bove, 11 o'clock, 11.05. Pat Hammer, last weather check at 11.30. But still taking your phone calls here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Let's go down to Chris in Virginia to start us off. Hi, Chris. You're on WGR. 
Hey, Sal, we're on the way, man. Up What's that? Tommy. You're on the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, my buddy Tom, we're coming up from Virginia. He called me this morning. He said, hey, you want to go to the game? I said, yeah. He said, you I got love it. Let's I love go. It. <laughs> I love it. Hey, now, hey, this hey, last Tom, minute. You... Last minute trip. Last we're, minute. We're going to make the run tonight. Got you. It's going to start. Got you, buddy. Hey, I, I, you know, I think a sense of urgency. I'm on board with you on that. The old, the old coaching adage of start fast and strong, kind of to the point where I'm not interested if I see it or not. It, we just, it has, it has to happen. It has to happen tonight. Yeah, for sure. What do you think, though? You're coming up. You want to see a win. You think it will happen tonight, though? I do. I do. Um, Josh Allen. I mean, he, he's going to rise to the occasion. Uh, it's been tough all year, but I, I think, I mean, your back's against the wall. You have no option right now. So I, I think Josh has a big game tonight. I, you know, I hate to make this prediction, but I think it'll be a two-score game. All right. Well, no, don't don't hate it, man. Don't hate it. Chris, be safe on the way up, okay, buddy? You and your buddy Tom. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right, buddy. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Be safe. All right, that's cool. Coming up from Virginia for the game. A lot of people come in from out of town for the games, and I know the night games are easier to drive in for, but it also makes it tougher the next day, right? You get up, you're like, ah, after the game, do you stay here? You go back, it's a school night, it's a work night, all that kind of stuff. Boy, two-score game. It'd be nice if the Bills could have one of those. I mean, the Bills, two weeks ago, looked like they were on their way against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then the Buccaneers have the ball, have a drive, which was aided by a couple penalties, the face mask call, I, I still think that was like kind of a big swing. Remember that game, the face mask call on Jordan Phillips? If you don't have that, the Bills probably walk away with, they might score again, they have the ball at midfield, but they walk away with a two-score victory. Instead, it comes down to a Hail Mary at the end of the game that the Buccaneers had an opportunity on. I mean, these games are so razor thin at any point, anything can happen. Look at yesterday. I want to talk about yesterday. I want to talk about where the standings are. Yesterday was a great day of football. A great day of football. I don't get a chance to watch Sunday games a lot, right? I mean, even when, like last week, Bills are playing Sunday night. But, you know, there's a lot of work to do, things to prepare for, and then you got to get to the stadium. And so I can't really watch a lot of it. I'm checking in on it. Yesterday was a little different. When the Bills play either Monday night or Thursday night or have a bye, I get to watch a little more football. And I was, so what I do is I put red zone. Here's how I do it. I don't have, um, Josh, I don't have NFL Sunday ticket. Do you have it? I do not. The reason I don't have it, I would love it. I used to have it when I wasn't living in Buffalo. The reason I don't have it is I would never be able to watch all the games. Like, I'm not going to pay for it if I'm ever home. You know what I mean? So I do not have it. You're probably in the same boat. you got to work sometimes, so it's kind of not worth it for you, right? Yeah, I mean, with the new shift, I haven't been working as much of these night right. games. So, like, that's been nice. But most of my friends have, like, we all have ways to stream it. So one night we'll be at their I house. Got you. And, you know, we just there you bounce go. around. I hear you. So that's what I did, though. What I do, Josh, is... I put whatever game is locally on. Yesterday it was Green Bay Pittsburgh, uh, and what was the other game that was on? I can't remember now. Then oh, Browns Browns Ravens, and then I put my computer on Red Zone and I put it in front of me and I just kind of watch all the highlights. So if there's something's going on and I can switch. Sometimes I flip it the other way. My wife hates when I watch Red Zone. She's like, "Oh my god, it bounces around too much. Can you put one game on?" <laughs> she she loves watching football. She's like, "I can't do it that way." So I I put the game the game on the regular TV and then Red Zone on the computer. Anyway, watching through yesterday, and it, all these games were kind of close in the beginning. You're like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe Houston can make a game of it. 
Bam. Look what happened to that game. Fourth quarter, incredible. Green Bay, how does Pittsburgh keep doing it? Pittsburgh, again, with another win. You figured they'd probably win against a pretty poor Green Bay team, but Green Bay had their opportunities. They missed the field. They missed the extra point. Comes down to the end, and then they need a touchdown because of that. They can't convert. They can't do it. Pittsburgh with another victory. Um, boy, the the Ravens Browns game was awesome. Fourth quarter was incredible. Ravens blow another fourth quarter lead. They've done that a few times. Browns come back. They win. So where does it leave the standings right now? As of this very moment, okay. As of this very moment, with the Bills only playing nine games not playing their 10th game yet. The Bills are in ninth in the AFC. They have the ninth seed. Of course, only the top seven make the playoffs. If the Bills win the game, they will go into the seventh spot because seven and eight are Houston and Cincinnati, both five and four. The Bills will go to six and four. Bills will get to the seventh spot. If the Bills win, they also be six and four. And the Miami Dolphins at six and three, the Bills would be essentially a half game behind them. They have the head-to-head. I'm still looking at the division for them to make the playoffs. New York Times playoff machine, if you look at that, 35% chance. And that went down because of yesterday's results. And I had an interesting discussion and debate with Jeremy and Joe this morning about yesterday, whether they were good results or bad results for the Bills. And what I said, and I believe this, if you think yesterday was a bad day for the Bills, totally fine. I could totally see it. Then I think you are more of the, it's going to be a grind they have to have all they have to have all the help they can get just to get to the seventh or the sixth seed and just get in. And that is perfectly logical and reasonable. If you think that yesterday was a good day for the Bills, then you're thinking they're gonna be okay. They're gonna write this ship. They're gonna be in it in the end. Let's try and still get the dare I say it? One seed. I know. Hold on. Hold on. I know. And maybe that's where I was. See, I'm still, because I'm an optimistic person at heart, like I'm still thinking the one seed is in play. I am. I know. How can you, Sal? Kansas City 7-2. and two. Yep, that's right. Bills still play them. You beat them, you're one game back, then you only have to have one game flip along the way. Jacksonville 6-3, and three, already lost to them. Yep, totally get it. Jacksonville also has Houston on their heels. You never know how that division winds up working out. There's a lot of football to play. Jacksonville didn't look that good yesterday. It's a good Niners team. Pittsburgh, I mean, they could win the North. I don't know. Right now, Baltimore's ahead of them by a half game. I can't expect, I can't see Pittsburgh doing that. Then you look at Cincinnati and Houston, the tough ones. That was the one I think that you could debate. Did you want Houston to win? Did you want Cincinnati to win? If you want Cincinnati to win, you're basically resigning yourself to saying, I want Cincinnati to be, the, Cincinnati can finish ahead of the Bills. We should have that happen. Don't let Houston catch you. See, I look at it the other way, though. You can, you, Cincinnati's five and four. The Bills are still ahead of them. You can't be tied with them. So let's just keep burying them. Let's make it so they can't catch the Bills. And they have that opportunity to win head-to-head. So I just think you can look at it both ways. I totally get it. I respect it. Jeremy and Joe and a lot of you think yesterday was a bad day. Look at the playoff odds. Yep, if you want to go by that, there's no doubt. I guess I'm still thinking, look, I I don't think the one seed is out of play for any of these teams. Any of them, including the Bills. You win tonight, you're one win back of that. One win with eight games to play, right? Uh, Seven games to play. One win. So, yes, and, and you would still play Kansas City. They're still on your schedule. And you'd still play Miami. They're still on your schedule. Of the teams in playoff spots right now, Kansas City's the one seed. Bills play them still. Baltimore's the two. They do not. Jacksonville, they already lost to. Miami, they already beat. Pittsburgh, they don't play. Cleveland, they don't play. Houston, they don't play. It's kind of a mixed bag there. What's hurting the Bills a lot is their conference record, of course. They're 2-4. and four. Cincinnati's 1-4. and four. Now, you can't finish tied with them, though, because Cincinnati already beat you. 
Look at Baltimore. They're four and three in the conference. One more conference loss. They're tied with the Bills in a number of conference losses. So again, maybe I'm just looking at it too like I'm the optimist at heart, the eternal optimist, and thinking, okay, how can they get there and even be as high as they can? But if you're thinking, do just get the seventh seed, then yesterday was probably a bad day. And I totally understand and respect that. Brandon Cristal, KOA Denver, going to join me after this timeout. Sal Capaccio with you on the Extra Point Show on a Buffalo football Monday. Bills Broncos tonight right here on WGR and along the Buffalo Bills radio network. It's not like a revenge game or, or anything like that for me. Like I left on good terms, left and went to go win a Super Bowl. I had a great relationship with everybody in that facility. Didn't have any bad blood with anybody in there. So for me, it was like I didn't want to leave. You know, I, I cried real tears when I left. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So to see them again and to see that organization winning and starting to do better is, you know, a treat for me. It's not like it it would never be the, the other way around for me. That is Bill's defensive end, Von Miller. He's going to walk into the Hall of Fame someday. And, you know, the NFL, you don't do it by team, right? It's not like baseball where you wear a cap, right? You just go in and they kind of list all the teams that you played for. But let's be honest. I mean, Von Miller, if that were the case, uh, he would be a Denver Bronco. And that's no slight against the Bills, the Rams, of course, but he spent over a decade in Denver. Now he gets to face his former team tonight. He is one team removed from them, went to the Rams, of course. Now he's with the Buffalo Bills tonight, Monday Night Football Bills Broncos. Joining me on the Wester Hotline right now, good buddy Brandon Chris Stahl from KOA Colorado, Fox Sports Radio in Denver as well. Brandon, you've gotten to know Vaughn over the years. I mean, um, just kind of his place in Denver, in sports history, in Broncos status. And by the way, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Sal. And, you know, there's two reasons I'm bummed I'm not in Buffalo today. One is because I wanted to catch up with Vaughn Miller, and two, I wanted to see you. But That'll have to wait for <laughs> I love it. for down, for down yeah. the road, buddy. But uh, I know it's going to be obviously a fun day for for both cities, both fan bases, and, and hopefully a fun game. Uh, but no, Vaughn, Vaughn for me. And last week, somebody in town, I can't remember who, tweeted their top five favorite Broncos of all time, right? And tried to figure out you know where to rank everybody. And obviously, you start with Elway one. And some people are debating where to put Peyton Manning. I have Floyd Little a lot higher than most people do. But I have Von Miller second because I can argue as good as Champ Bailey was, and he was great, and as great as Steve Atwater was, he was, you know, this side of Ronnie Lott, the best safety in that era for, for my money. That Von Miller has been the best, second best Bronco since John Elway. And Terrell Davis was a huge part of those Super Bowl teams and really transformed the way they played. But for as good as Von was, for as dominant, as game changing as he was, and of course, in that run to Super Bowl 50 and the Super Bowl 50 MVP, he was out of this world to have the most sacks in franchise history and to be the face of the franchise for a lot of years that, yeah, they wanted to win more games, but you know how it goes without the right quarterback or without a quarterback, it doesn't really matter. But for my money, if we're doing a Mount Rushmore, Vaughn's face is right there second next to John Elway's. Yeah. And I think, um, 
you know, what he's noted for is obviously being at his best in the biggest of moments. And I think this kind of this night tonight could qualify for something like that, which is Monday Night Football, his team's backs against the wall. He's facing his former team. You've seen Vaughn, as you said, MVP of a Super Bowl. He rises to the occasion in these types of moments. Yeah, and it was funny because, you know, one of your colleagues, I believe, asked him last week in that media session where he spent the first three and a half minutes just talking about how much he loves Denver and his former teammates and the equipment guys and going on and on and on. But asked if it was extra motivation, he said that he's not wired like that, and I and I do believe that. I think he's just wired, to your point, to come <laughs> to come with it in the biggest moments, and noting that yep. he obviously has been a little slow in his return, and and when you turn when you tear an ACL, you're not going to necessarily come right out of the gate and and be at your best. That almost never happens right away in game one. But the fact that he hasn't registered a tackle or a sack is maybe a little bit of a head scratcher. Certainly the tackle part, and so yeah, I think yeah. the chance to get after a couple tackles that he knows he's likely still got a, a, an ability to get by. Mike McGlinchey, for as good as he can be in the run game, struggles in the passing game and did in San Francisco, certainly has here in Denver. And Vaughn wrecked many a, a training camp practice and, and other and other practices throughout the years going by Garrett Bowles. So I think we'll see Vaughn line up on both sides and with how much Russell Wilson can hold on to the ball at times, waiting for things to develop or waiting to, to be able to, to maneuver, to be able to see throws downfield. I, I won't be surprised if Vaughn has more than one sack tonight. I don't know if it'll be the difference in the game. We know that Vaughn likes to aim for the football. You've seen him teach that techniques to other players. But yeah, I'd expect Vaughn to come out, not because it's his old team, but because the, the lights are the brightest. And then there just happens to be the factor of his old team has guys he knows he can beat. Certainly he knows he, he can sneak a thing or two by Garrett Bowles. Not that Garrett didn't practice against Vaughn plenty, but if we were going to keep score, Vaughn won a lot more of those than he lost. Brandon Kristall on the Western Hotline. All right, I'm struggling here about the Broncos in this manner. So I look at their rankings and on defense, 32nd, 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 yards per play, yards per game, passing, rushing, all that. Then you go, wait a minute, well, come on. It's, it's a lot of this is skewed because of that 70-point game. Look what they've done the last three weeks. All right, set it straight. Like how much, Brandon, is actually skewed by that 70-point game and say, you know what? That's really not who they are. Or how much is like, yeah, you know what, though? They still have some struggles. That game kind of was indicative of some other things going on, but kind of lay out where they actually should be here. They should probably be middle of the pack and and higher than that in in some respects. And I'm not trying to be dismissive of that game, but the stats were so crazy when you give up over 700 yards to an opponent and 70 points. You were without Justin Simmons, and you heard Jordan Poyer say a couple weeks ago, his favorite safeties are himself, Micah Hyde, and Justin Simmons. Justin's been a, <laughs> yeah. a an All Pro a couple times, and and is really the the straw that stirs the drink because he can keep everyone aligned. And then you've got Josie Jewell and and Alex Singleton in front of him, and Josie Jewell wasn't in that game. Neither was Mike Purcell, and it it fell apart really quickly. But since those guys have all been back, the defense has been a lot better. Now they still lost a the game they likely should have won against the Jets. Um, and you say should have won. This is the league, right? You have to figure out ways to win. They were beating the Raiders. They were beating Washington 21-3, and they allowed Sam Howell to, to come back and, and obviously turn into Superman in, in the second half. So those are all kind of inexcusable when you talk about good teams, right? Good teams find ways to win those games. But as we saw yesterday with five walk-off field goals, we know how close this league is. Right. And so they're definitely not the worst defense in football. And I think – you know, when you when you look at the other side of the coin, when you hold Patrick Mahomes, who's still a pretty good quarterback, I get his numbers aren't what they mm-hmm. what they've been in recent years. In fact, <laughs> yeah. Russell Wilson has more still. touchdowns and yards. But you hold Russ or you hold Patrick Mahomes one touchdown in two games. That means you're doing something right, okay? Not just because they play them a lot, because they play them a lot and lost to them 15 straight times. So <laughs> I, I think that it's right. it's a situation where 
they aren't as bad as, as their numbers indicate, but they aren't the best defense in football. Now, they have been a top-10 defense even in bad years over the last handful of years, whether it was Vance Joseph as the head coach and helping with the defense or Vic Fangio, or even last year the defense with DeGero Ivero in obviously a, a disastrous year for Nathaniel Hackett in the offense. So they can make plays. They have playmakers. And then as much as everyone misses Vaughn Miller, when Baron Browning's healthy, that's the third rounder out of Ohio State, you'll see him tonight wearing number 56. He's been number two in the NFL in edge pressure just the last two weeks. He's only been back in those two games and really rounded into form against the Chiefs. Or I say last two weeks, last two games that he played. Obviously, they had a bye last week. So keep an eye on, on number 56. I'm not going to call him Vaughn, the next Vaughn Miller, but he does have Vaughn Miller traits and, and a unique bend that you can't really coach or teach. You know, you remember Derek Wolf, who obviously played here forever. One of my favorite conversations yep. ever was after his rookie year. I said, hey, what have you learned from Elvis Doomerville, obviously a pro bowler, and what have you learned from Vaughn? He goes, oh, Elvis taught me this with my hands and this with, with, uh, with this sort of leverage. He goes, I can't learn anything from Vaughn. He's like, my body doesn't bend like that. I can't do any of the things. <laughs> now, Vaughn's gotten a lot better at, at learning how to teach techniques and things guys can do, and we know he does a Vaughn Miller pass rush academy every year. But, yep. uh, you know, he's a freak. And so this kid, Baron Browning, out of Ohio State, and they like their other edge rushers, and Jonathan Cooper, who also from Ohio State in that same draft three years ago, but he was a seventh rounder. And then this kid, Nick, uh, Nick Benito, who they took with their first draft pick two years ago when they got Russell Wilson. He was at the end of the second round. He's had some, some sparks for sure. So they, they've got pieces, but they're, they're not the 85 Bears, and they're certainly not that, that team that in 2015 Von Miller was a Super Bowl MVP of. But they, they can make things hard for Josh Allen and company. doesn't mean they will, but they can all right, so before I get to the offense, where are they vulnerable on defense? What's been the spot that even outside of that game, you say, you know what, they don't do this particularly well, and if this is the way the Bills would probably attack them? Well, they've been vulnerable in, in the run game at times. Brees Hall gashed them. That was 70 yeah. yards on one play, but they've certainly been susceptible to that. And it, it can kind of steamroll quickly, but the the way that the Dolphins were able to kind of dice them up in the running game, again, they're missing nose tackle, a middle linebacker, and safety. And so at the same time, when Josie Jewell's on the field, he's always near the ball and makes a bunch of tackles, but he's not great in coverage. So I'd be, I'd be extra concerned about Dalton Kincaid if I'm them. I think that Pat Sertan will likely be on Stephon Diggs most of the night. It uh, doesn't mean you won't see him on Gabe Davis some. And, and so I think that even backs out of the backfield are always – susceptible you know the, their linebackers are susceptible to get beat there too so that that's what i'd be looking at more than anything i, I don't know if josh is going to throw for 350 although he could uh but i certainly think that if i'm putting in any any fun parlays i'm probably going over on dalton kincaid catches and yards all right i'm glad you brought up russell wilson and the fact that you know what he's done this year i think it's gone a little bit unnoticed really because of the season they're having because of the concentration on what happened in the defense and that he's had a bit of a bounce back year here right i mean 16 touchdowns four interceptions um, just kind of tell us how Russ's season has gone, and especially compared to last year, and this kind of resurgence and rebirth under Sean Payton, especially over the last several weeks. Well, and it's kind of a work in progress, but as much as I like Nathaniel Hackett, the, the person, Nathaniel Hackett, the coach, has, has struggled. <laughs> and and yeah. so whether it was you know last year calling the plays here and running the whole show or calling the plays with New York, and I understand his numbers would look a little different if Aaron Rodgers were the quarterback right now. But that being said, Sean Payton's done a really good job of kind of reconditioning Russ and, and trying to get back to what works so well in Seattle. And you look at the, the Broncos, especially with their advanced metrics, and I don't want to pretend like I know how to, how to calculate all of that, but I just see the numbers that other people are nice enough to share with us. 
And the, the Broncos are right at the top of the league in terms of their ability to run the football. The biggest issue is that they kind of yep. abandon it from time to time. And and I think that Sean, even though he knows fundamentally he wants to run the football, that he just he can't help himself. And I think some of that was what Nathaniel Hackett had last year where he was trying to get Russ an MVP. But that being said, they're trying to just teach Russ. So I got this secondhand, but from a very good source, an offensive coordinator that worked with Russ, that he's the – the most difficult quarterback that anyone can ever work with because most OCs want to get you on first and 10 to second and six to third and two or three, right? Because then your whole playbook's open on third and short where you can do uh, a number of things. But Russ on first and 10, as he's scrambling around, he sees a guy 18 yards downfield, so he's going to let it rip. And his whole life he's made that throw, and most times it's worked out for him, right? He didn't accidentally throw 300 touchdowns in, in Seattle, 292 in the regular season, and I'm probably shorting him on some postseason touchdowns. And so in a decade, you don't accidentally do, do that, right? But Pete Carroll did a good job of kind of just managing the game, keeping it close. They had good defenses and good running games a lot of those years. And so that's obviously things that every good team has to have in general. But the biggest thing with Russ is that he is taking kind of that easy cheese that you'll hear you know, quarterbacks and, and OCs talk about. Just, hey, if there's a four-yard dump off in the flat, just take it. And then let's live to fight another day. And if there's a sack, and don't don't force it. Don't throw it over your head. Don't don't worry about it. We'll take second and seventeen rather than a turnover. And and so I think that's part of it is just kind of reconditioning that. Hey, we don't have to take deep shots. That's we don't want to take deep shots. Sean said that early in the year. He goes, sixteen play drives are great, but I'd love a couple five play scoring drives as well. And so I think the more they work together, the better you'll see out of Russ. You know, based on what his physical limitations are in his mid thirties, but he's lost fifteen pounds, so that's why you've seen him run better that's helped their running numbers and so they won't necessarily be designed runs but if russ sees six eight yards he's just going to go take it and then look for the the bigger play in subsequent plays and so i think that's been kind of the biggest thing is that he's not trying to win mvp he's just trying to win football games i mean mclaughlin his numbers are incredible but you just said it i mean only four carries last game looking at his game log by the way it's not like i watch every single game that closely at the numbers and it's still it's It's still williams right 27 last game well, and, and that was just kind of the way the game played out and what happened on some of those yeah. plays, right? But gotcha. you did have Williams in there, and, and Williams is rounding into form. And it reminds me, because Sean's had so many running back combos, going back to those Deuce McAllister days, yeah. whether it was Reggie Bush or, or Darren Sproles. But most recently, I think we remember, you know, when they lost to the Rams on that controversial call in the NFC title game, they had as good a one-two punch with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. And And while I think Williams does things a little differently than – than maybe Ingram, they're still kind of built about the same. And, and I don't want to say that McLaughlin is the next Alvin Kamara just yet, but the kid was the all-time college football uh, yards from scrimmage or total yardage, you know, accumulator maybe that we've ever seen, 8,100 yards at, at Youngstown. And and he was at wow. something other Notre Dame before, like so not the actual Notre Dame, something else Notre Dame. Uh, but, <laughs> but regardless, right. the kid just eats yards. And so – uh, they've got to figure out more ways to get him involved, and they've tried, but they also like Samaj P. Ryan, especially on in third-down situations to either catch the ball or certainly be good in, in pass protection. So it's it's been a struggle to not only figure out how to get McLaughlin more touches and more snaps, but also Marvin Mims, their top draft pick out of Oklahoma, who they traded up to go get, and and trying to figure out how to use how to use Mims more because he's. He, he might still be leading the NFL in average or in yards per catch because he was averaging like 24 yards per catch. They weren't throwing him the ball because they can't get him on the field. They're playing little Jordan Humphrey ahead of him a lot. And so those two guys can, can really wreak havoc on a defense. It's a question of figuring out how to get them in the game and get them the ball. 
Notre Dame College, a private Roman Catholic college in South Euclid, Ohio. There you go. There you go. From Forest Hills so now, in North Carolina, yeah, Notre Dame College to Youngstown State to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, they don't have they don't have an NBC contract at Notre Dame College. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe like they do at the University of Notre no. Dame. Um, but uh, the the kids a uh, stud, and even though that you could argue it's a lot of tread on the tires. You, we could tell from the get-go, whether it's in the spring against, not air, but obviously no contact, or in training camp, you're like, well, this kid just looks different. Then he had a touchdown in all three preseason games. He had two against the Niners. And like, you just got to figure out a way to get this guy on the field. And so they've been working on it, but they still haven't come up with the right formula how to, how to use everybody. So before I let you go, um, I remember growing up, you know, back, you know, I don't know, in the 90s, thinking, you know, Buffalo and Denver were very similar. They, you know, the Broncos had gone to Super Bowls and lost. Buffalo did, and then finally, right, Denver gets over the hump, and John Elway wins a couple, and Denver has their first major championship, and then the Avs in 96 get their championship, and then the Nuggets get their first championship, so we're not the same anymore as far as cities, but what's it been like kind of reveling in, uh, how long did the how long did the after party last in the hangover after the Nuggets championship? I think it's just finally winding down as they're like, oh, well, we have another season, we want to go try to win, win another <laughs> know, one, right? because those guys, those guys, if you, if you followed, whether it was Nikola Jokic all across Serbia, uh, going to his horse races or hanging out in clubs, or Michael Malone enjoying his time following Nathaniel Rateliff in the night sweats across Europe, or Aaron Gordon and, and company, they, they, they got their celebrating in, just like the Avs did a year ago. And the Avs have been yeah. a little perplexing this year. Obviously, you saw what happened in their trip to Buffalo, and they lose 8-2 the other night to, yeah. to the, the Blues. They've been up and down, but you've you got to like their talent. And the Nuggets are right there. A tough loss last night to, to the Rockets, but they, they're going to be in the mix late. And both these teams have such good young cores with superstars and the Avs with Kale McCarr and, and Nathan McKinnon, obviously. McCarr might be the best player in hockey, or certainly is uh, no lower than second on most people's list, at least if you believe all the, the national pundits out there. So it's a lot of fun. It's just everyone knows this is a Broncos town, right? And like, oh, the Rockies play baseball, too. We'll worry about them down the road. But uh, <laughs> the Nugs and Avs, at one, well, at one point, Sal, they are going to have a combined deep run where I'm just going to live at that building every night from April through June. <laughs> this could be the year. It could be another year, uh, you know, another year or two because stars have to align and guys have to stay healthy and all that. But it's been, it's been a lot of fun. That being said, this is a Broncos town. And, you know, I know how much they love the Sabres there. When I was there for a, a Bills game uh, a few years ago working for Westwood One, I couldn't believe on a college football Saturday, Notre Dame playing USC, and I, I went to Duff's. The amount of TVs they just threw on random hockey games on a Saturday, I'm like, there's a bunch of college <laughs> games on too. But hockey was definitely prominent, and the Sabres had already played in yeah. maybe in Carolina earlier that day. I'm like, what are we doing here? There's all these West Coast college games. Why are we not watching them? I love it. Um, I yeah, love it. Really, I love it, man. It, it, it's, it's been fun. Listen. Hey, and I've told you this before, with Vaughn there, uh, if it's not yeah. going to be a Broncos run to the Super Bowl, I'd love to cover a Bill Super Bowl run and, and to see Vaughn get yet another ring and to see that great fan base. You know, I'm pals with Andre Reid, and, and I know how much they love their yeah. fans there. Um, and so one of my wife's brothers lives in Buffalo, and, and he lives and dies with the Bills. And so um, it, it, it'd be fun to see. But I, I know that this, uh, the Broncos defense is going to make things hard for him tonight. All right, buddy, listen um... – yeah, I'm bummed I can't see you as well, but we'll catch up at the owners' meetings or uh, maybe college basketball somewhere down the road. We uh, we're, we or both share that passion Super Bowl as well, week, Brandon. Right? Maybe Super Bowl. There you week. go, buddy. Vegas. Yeah, that's right. That, that'd be know? that'd be great. So. Brandon, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate. It. Have a uh, have a great rest of your day, and um, obviously the coverage tonight. Appreciate you. Thanks. Talk to you soon. All right, that is Brandon Cristal. Good guy there, KOA Denver, in uh, covering the Broncos and everything else. He he loves those. Do- See, he's like a lot of us. He loves his. 
Denver sports like we love our Buffalo sports. All right, I'm a little late to the break. That's okay. Brandon was great. We'll do that. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the hour. Then Matt Bove on the other side of that. From the Bills side of things, Channel 7, WKBW, the game will be on TV there tonight. And, of course, on the Buffalo Bills radio network here on WGR.